Good morning. Happy anniversary. I'm back, right? Yes. Anniversaries are important. They're special. They're an event that we, uh, we spend some time sometimes figuring out what to do, how to celebrate, and which ways we should go with that. I was just imagining what it would be like to be old enough to have witnessed 152 years of uh, Forest Baptist Church. In the history of Forest Baptist Church, 1871 to 2021, the opening lines read, Forest Baptist Church was formed out of a heart for missions. This book, it's well written I might add, then proceeds to take the reader on a journey over the past 150 years of God's work in Forest through Forest Baptist Church. It recounts the past, and that's an important thing to do. You know, recounting the past is important to the future. Our culture cancels the past, rewrites the past, ignores the past. Very dangerous game to play. Our past here, the history of Forest Baptist Church, is an important, it's an important one for us and is important and one of the key elements to the future of Forest Baptist Church. In our past, we see the struggle, we see pain, we see toil. Right? We see things that are taking place that are, are important for us to look to in the future. But we also see God's hand and His providence working in the midst of that. You know, Peering into the past, you catch a glimpse of the foundation that was built. It was a foundation that was built and the priorities that were established. I was struck by the repeated phrase in this little booklet, forward movement, experienced revival. It says, people eager to receive the Gospel. A new era of expansion, both physically and spiritually taking place. In addition, there are these things throughout the history of Forest Baptist Church. One can see there's times of transition there's times of growth. There's times of building projects and sprouting different and new ministries. The teaching and preaching of God's Word has been a major priority and the community initiatives have been a major priority as well. You know, missions has been an important part of Forest Baptist Church as well as the teaching of God's Word. In review of the past history of Forest Baptist Church, one responds and really is drawn to respond to, to God be the glory for great things He has done. Recalling the past is important, but living in the past can also be dangerous. We move forward on the foundation that has already been laid, and we look forward to the future, to where God continues to take us and to shape us. 48 years from now, what will be written about our time here at Forest Baptist Church now? You know, it's important to dream. Right? Do you have dreams, plans of the future? It's important to dream. It's important to plan. It's important to strategize and to consider the future. You know, how are we uh, being wise with the resources that God has given to us? How do we utilize a building uh, for His glory and the ministries and the opportunities that God has given to us and that we've been given? 
What will Forest Baptist Church look like in five years, 10 years, 15 years from now? And what do we need to do? What do we need to invest in? What do we need to prioritize to make that happen? In all of this, of course, we understand Christ is the head of the church. That his, it's His Spirit, the Holy Spirit here, who draws men and women. And it's God's sovereign work. We give recognition to that, of course. You know, the town of Forest, so I assume, was given the name due to the fact that there must have been large number of trees in Forest. I look out and I see a lot of farmland now. But uh, there are some wonderful trails, uh, conservation trails. There's wooded areas and a beautiful scenery here. But forest has transitioned into kind of a predominantly farming area. I think both the idea of a forest and of farming are both applicable to life and ministry of church, specifically Forest Baptist Church. This is just symbolic of the fact of growth and, and plant life and those sort of things. A forest or a farm, they require certain things, as does my plant here as well. Requires water, it requires fertilizer, requires planting and trimming and removal of dead wood or rocks eliminating or weeds. The creation of walking places and paths times of meditation, and it relates to farming, there's a harvest that is due. At Forest Baptist Church, to flourish, we need. That would be a question, right? In order for Forest Baptist Church to flourish, we need fill in the blank. Well, you ask 150 to 200 people this question, and you'll get 100 different answers. And I exaggerate a little bit on that just to make the point. We all have a different idea. We all have a a different perception of what it takes to make church flourish. More of this or that type of worship music. More volunteers. Better programming. More outreach. A new program. A different way of doing this or that. A friendlier environment. A different decision that leadership can make. And I'm not saying that these things are not important. Right? They are important. And I'm not saying that they don't have their place. But the root, no pun intended, of the issue of growth and maturity is not anchored in those things. They're important. But that's not where we anchor ourselves. Biblical knowledge is good. But there is also a serious danger if knowledge is the goal. It tells us at Proverbs that uh, knowledge can puff up. Programs are good, but there's a danger if programs are the goal. Because if programs are the goal, then church operates more like an amusement park scenario. And we need to provide new, exciting adventures, thrilling opportunities, and so on, so that we continue to capture people's attention and we grab their allegiance to the church. You cannot find excellent corporate worship until you stop trying to find excellent corporate worship and pursue God Himself. D.A. Carson. People most often prioritize the wrong things about church. 
or even when you're searching for a church to belong to. For example, we promote our location, our facilities, programs, worship leader, celebrity pastor, well, that's not me, community engagement, your community engagement, small group ministries, etc. And these things are good. They work. Uh, you know, they're, they're things that we work hard at, rightly so, but we can focus too much on these. And then like the consumers that we are, and those people who are searching for a church can be, uh, these things become the criteria for us gauging what church should be like. Again, I was struck with the simplicity of D.A. Carson's line, what if we let all the programs and such speak for themselves over time and simply told people, we are committed to helping you pursue God Himself. And that's it. That's what we want for people. That's what we desire. That's what God wants for each we for each other, and that's what He wants for us as Forest Baptist Church. What if we made it our sole aim to help every person, as Philippians 3.10 says, to know Him and the power of His resurrection? If you turn to Exodus chapter 33.10, or you can look at it on the screen behind me. Exodus chapter 33. In the midst of this book of Exodus, where they've come out of Egypt, they were beginning their journey in the desert into the promised land. And if you look at Exodus chapter 33, it says these words. Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face. As one speaks to a friend. You know, it tells us earlier that Moses would pitch the tent of meeting, pitch this tent outside the camp, and that he would go to it. And then when he was there, the Lord would speak to him face to face as one speaks to a friend. And that's, that in itself, that verse is so captivating and so encouraging to read, and you could focus a lot of attention on it. But I, I like the, the next part of Verse 11, after Moses would return to camp, right, he would return to camp, but the young man who assisted him, Joshua, son of Nun, whom we've been studying in the book of Joshua, would remain behind in the tent of meeting. Joshua got it. Right? He, he got a glimpse of the presence of God with Moses that impacted him so much that he himself just longed for that. And he himself would stay behind at the tent of meeting with the Lord. There are a few things that are important. First, I wish to remind us of the important truth that affects our thinking and our actions. And that is, Scripture is clear that, that it is believers, those who have put their faith and trust in Christ, who gather together in community that make church. Right? It's the believers here that make church. Christ is the head of the church, and that means He's the head of you and I. Scripture is also clear that as a believer in Jesus Christ, I am to gather in a local church of believers in order to worship, to pray, to pray for one another, to serve one another right, as a local body together, right, to be accountable to leadership and others to one another. And there are clear scriptural principles as to how a local church gathering of believers is to function. 
There's clear purpose and there's clear mission given to us as gathered believers. A building functions as a tool. Praise God for this wonderful building facility that He has provided here. But it's a tool. It's a mechanism to assist us in accomplishing our ultimate purpose and mission. Programs and ministries are are great. We, We have some and continue to build upon those and look to other ministries and opportunities. But programs and ministries function as tools to accomplish purpose and mission. So what is purpose and mission? Acts 2.42 gives very clear outline. Teach biblical doctrine. Fellowship together. Observe the Lord's Supper and pray. Right? Those are the things that are important. Leaders are given the task and responsibility to shepherd, to protect against false doctrine, to care, to love, and to equip the saints for service. Our mission is in our going... Right? In our going, we become a light to the community, a lighthouse to the community. We make disciples. We teach them to obey the Lord. And we promote the Gospel message. We prepare one another to proclaim the Gospel. And we baptize new believers, as you've seen today, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So Forest Baptist Church, I think, will flourish as we deepen our roots as we engage and equip and encourage and enable people in the Word, in prayer, in fellowship, and in leadership. Secondly, it's good to remind us of the proper priorities that we should focus on. And so I have four. It's A, B, C, D. A, B, C, D. Abide. Now, they, they don't all match with the first word, but this one does. Abide in Christ. Right? Abide in Christ, John 15, 5-11. Right? John 15, 5-11, it says, it says these words, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. So now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, right, you will remain in my love. Just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in His love, I told you, this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Remain. Remain is a big part of this passage. Abide. Remain. Right? It means to abide, to be steadfast and sure of our Lord and who He is and who uh, we are in Him, in Christ. The imagery is perfect. It's a vine that needs nourishment. It needs to have that nourishment throughout its whole system from roots to leaves. And without any one of them, the main parts, the whole vine will die. If one of those main parts of the vine do not receive the nourishment it requires, that vine will die. It is also with us. When we are not abiding in Christ, and I don't mean salvation coming to faith in Christ 
in our initial transferring of our identity to Christ. I'm talking about our life with Christ and our journey of faith. If we're not abiding with Him, it says that we will wither and die. Only when we are rooted in Christ and are receiving our nourishments from Him can we see growth and can we thrive. And that's individually, but that's also corporately as our church body. So we must abide in Christ as the principal priority of our life. Is it the principal priority of our life to abide in Christ? Is it the principal priority of our family to abide in Christ? Is it the principal priority uh, of our work that I'm abiding in Christ even as I go to do the things, the work that I'm called to do or that, I'm, that I have? Is it the principal priority of our church? For us to be a healthy, growing church and a growing disciple, we must abide and remain in Christ and not relying on ourselves or our efforts or our ability. You see, it's the life of prayer and it will keep us connected and abiding in Him. It's our obedience that comes from uh, the worship and the Bible learning and the prayer life that kind of lays those pipes of nourishment to flow. We have a, a commitment to Christ and to our worship service and to our devotion and in our surrendering of our will to Christ. We are modeling character and the relationship He gave us back to Him, being thankful for grace. And we must and can do this in a loving response to our worship, truly desiring to be poured out and surrendered to Him to be fervent in Bible study and learning of His character and His purpose, to be in-depth prayer and two-way communication with the Lord. Right? This is a result of a surrendered will. It's an abiding relationship with the Lord that we desire. And then we will be, if we all are facing the uh, fact that we need to abide in Christ individually, it will create a healthy church doing and following the design and purpose that God has for us, then we will, we will uh, revive a great comfort from this verse. My joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. There is no other true and joyful way than to follow our Lord's words and what He has set out for us. We need to see it as Christ's joy living in us. And thus needs to flow through us into the second priority. But give careful notice of this. We cannot worship God well. I'm going to put this on here so that you can see from both angles. As if you've gotten to know me well, you already know that I like to have some illustration. I believe it helps us in our picturing. The Bible is full of pictures. So, I've created one for you. It is difficult to worship God with a heart that's occupied with things that Scripture tells us. Like greed, slander, arrogance. There's pride. There's envy. There's malice. There's anxiety and fear. There's distractions, right? There's things that we have in our lives and we can continue.
continue to think through what are those things in your life that sometimes could come between you and the Lord, our selfishness, uh, just struggles, battles in our life. And those things add up and they fill our lives. They fill our church. And it's difficult to worship the Lord when these things fill up our lives. It's difficult for us. We can't worship them when we are filled with these things like worry because these things take up all of the room in our lives. And so it's important for us to understand as we abide in Christ that Him and His Spirit fills us. Okay, come on. (laughs) And as we go on and on, you would see that as it goes and He continues to fill your life, that these things are pushed out. You see, God's presence in our life while we abide in Christ fills our lives. And then you can say, my joy may be in you, is what Jesus says to us, and that our joy may be complete. You see, because it fills up our lives. And that's what it means to abide in Christ. It pushes those things forward. So as we grow and we learn in our personal discipleship, so our church will grow also collectively. And our commitment will increase as our love and devotion increases. Which brings us to number two. We're commanded, if you turned to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Paul gives us some instructions. And that would be here. Verse 2, preach the Word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Uh, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. Preach the Word. Timothy gives some very clear instructions. uh, uh, Paul gives clear instructions to Timothy that this is His first and foremost priority here. There are many other things to focus on in these letters, but to preach the Word. And as I look through the 152 years at Forest Baptist Church, I praise God that it's been the priority of Forest Baptist Church. And may it continue to be that priority because we know that it's only the Word of God that changes our lives. It's only the Word of God that draws us to Christ. It's only the Word of God that moves us forward in our growth. And so, you and I need to be reminded again and again and again that we need to be people in the Word. We also need to preach the Word, but we need to be people of the Word ourselves. And then those things flow into C, which is love one another. John fifteen twelve to 15 My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I have now made known to you. 
You did not choose Me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in My name. This is My command. Love one another. As we abide in Him and as we focus on His Word, then the natural flow of things results in a love for one another. You know, love flows from a self-sacrifice. First of all, that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ demonstrated. He paved the way for our relationships. Especially, number one, with God. He paved the way for our relationship to to be extended to God Himself. And then we must respond gratefully to our fellow believers. This is what He's calling fruit. It's the fruit that comes. This starts off as a commandment. We are to love. It's an imperative response. It, It takes my will. Sometimes it takes more of my will. Sometimes it takes more of depending on Christ. But it's a choice we make. And a choice to follow His directive and His will. Love is life. And it's a response. And love is a reward for our obedience. Yet love comes before obedience. And love is the result of obedience. Yet this is not contradicting in and of itself. Love is the thing of all of life, and then it's the reward we also receive as we remain in the vine. It's a core Jewish belief stated in Leviticus 19.18 that we are to love one another. And it's quoted by Jesus our Lord when He was asked, what's the greatest commandment in Mark 12.30-31? Since the Lord loves us, the Lord gave His life for us, the Lord extended grace and mercy and salvation to us, then it should be the natural response that we would want to love one another. See, Christ is our model and the Lord in whom we should follow as His first example. Christ will walk with us. The question is, will we walk with Him and allow that priority, first of all, number one, to rule which is to abide in Christ. So priority two and three can function and uh, love will flow both ways from us and Him to us and each other. Remember that the love that Christ showed us was sacrificial, not superficial. So our love should not have any strings attached. It should be real, authentic, and flowing from each other. The basic theme is for us to model this in the first priority, our relationship with Christ, and then to model that to those around us and what He has done. If we cannot do it, then our relationships with each other will be dysfunctional. Just as we see in our media around us and our television watching around us, Thus, when we are in a good, healthy relationship with the Lord, then we will naturally outflow from that into good relationships with people around us. So the more we grow in this priority number one, abiding in Christ, right, it is God's choice and not ours right, that we do this. What a great comfort that He took in the first step of our reconciliation. 
Christ, in this first step of recognition of reconciliation, gave his life for us on the cross so that we could be reconciled. That means made right with God, our Creator, in right standing with God. And it comes through repentance and faith and trust in Christ. And then we begin that abiding with Christ. God did not give us this uh, opportunity, though, just to sit in a pew, right? The reason He chose us is for a plan and a purpose. And the plan is for us to bear fruit. Not just to do it when it's convenient or when it feels like we want to, but continually. Whenever we are, and the time does not constrain us, whatever we are, the culture does not hold us back, and wherever we are, that our place or location show no limits to be encouragers of each other. That is the call. And it is good for us as a church to remember that it builds the kingdom of God. Your love and encouragement for one another builds God's kingdom. It demonstrates what God has done in our lives and it then moves to help others to love and to care for each other in the community and the world is then the third or fourth commitment and call of our Lord. What flows out of the first, second, and third is that now this priority response turns to a gratitude and a response that we want to share with the world. Matthew 28, right, 18, 19, and 20 is the final commands that Jesus gives to His disciples, which is also the final commands and the, and the commands that He gives to us. We call it the Great Commission. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and in the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the ends of the age. What a command. This is Jesus' final instructions before He heads off to be with the Father. To reach out to the community and the world is one of the prime purposes of the local church, and us as believers. It is what flows from our devotion and our worship and then our healthy relationships with Christ and with one another. In a nutshell, these are fruits, right? That we are not reaching just inwardly, but outwardly. If we do not continue to reach out to the community of forest that we live in or to our neighborhoods or to our uh, people at work or the environment in which we find ourselves, the interesting comparison someone once said was, if we're not reaching out, then we become a dead sea. Just like the dead sea in Israel. You see, it's, it has a fresh flow flowing into it. But it has no flow out of it or from it. And so it becomes a stagnant, lifeless pool of water. If we refuse to follow the Great Commission, then we too may suffer the consequences of kind of being stagnant or apathetic or lifeless. Only existing for our selfish purposes and not God's call 
Right? This selfishness does not make us a church. This is not what Christ has called us to do. Though they're important, and remember the flow. <laughs> Abide, preach the Word, right? love one another, and then we flow that out to the community and the world around us. We cannot just be a church of our own whims and agendas or preferences or comfort. Right? We're following Christ. We want to be a church that follows Christ. The wonderful news of our directive is that we are not in it alone. Christ did not give these instructions and say, you know, go figure it out. He said, I will be with you. I will go with you. And that's why the abiding in Christ is so important as a church that we abide with Him together so that we will go in the power of Christ to the world around us. Right? It's an amazing thing. He's the Creator and Equipper of all things, and yet He empowers and comes alongside to help us. And we're not alone in this. God first comes to us. It is God who draws us. It is His grace that saves us. Then it's the desire that He puts in us to love and to worship Him and to do this with one another and allow that the testimony that we have spill out to those around us. And the Holy Spirit is our power agent for the task. We need to rely on the Holy Spirit to make this task go. Jesus made it plain and clear. He told His disciples to remember what He had done, but He also turned their attention to the future task of the ministry that He was preparing them for. Go and be My witnesses. He told them, go, work the vineyard. Go, make disciples. Jesus never let His disciples dwell on what had already taken place or what had already been done. Their purpose was not to be found in where they had been, but where they were going. It was foundationally supported where it had come from. But remember to keep in mind, our faith is born and nurtured in a historical experience. A wonderful outline of what God has done in His goodness and grace at Forest Baptist Church. It's born out of that historical experience. But in what God has done for us in the past, but this leads us into the future. Right? It leads us to where we're going. As a church today, our anniversary celebration naturally turns our gaze to the 152 years of history. On my wedding anniversary, it naturally turns my gaze to 31 years ago plus to my anniversary and to that wonderful day. And then for 31 years of wonderful wedding bliss, marriage bliss, and I don't mean that jokingly. It's serious. We have a wonderful relationship that God has given to us. We remember those things, but we also, what do we say on those anniversary moments? Well, we look forward to the next 31 years. And what God will continue to build in that relationship. And the same is true. We remember God's goodness. We celebrate God's grace and faithfulness. But we must also look to the future the next 152 years, Lord willing, I'm not sure we'll get 152 years, but in the next 152 years, Jesus has commissioned us and He sent us into the world with a mission. How will we fulfill it? We have a responsibility when we look to the future. Here's our responsibility. I think they're important to be reminded of. We have a responsibility to our children. 
and young people, to prepare them for what they are facing in life and what they will face in life. That's our responsibility. We have a responsibility to our older folks to help, meet, help them meet the needs in a changing world. I can't imagine, as I said, if you look back and we're here for a duration of time, to imagine the changes that have taken place in my 52 years, 53 years, whatever. The changes that have taken place are astronomical. And we have a responsibility to help people through the changes in the world based on Scripture. We have a responsibility to our families, right? To come alongside them with tools and support and care to help them. We have a responsibility to the community around us to proclaim the good news of salvation to them and to be an example of Christ's love to our community. So let the stories of faith, commitment, and service that we read in here, that you share uh, as, uh, as 152 years at Forest Baptist Church, and we recite this history. It, in our congregation, it strengthens us, but it also prepares us and propels us into the future and into the next century of God's work here at Forest Baptist Church. And never forget, Why? For the glory of God. It's for His glory and His purpose that we do these things. Heavenly Father, I pray, as we consider the wonderful celebration of 152 years, if you look at the wall in the back uh, foyer and you read through the stages and steps and what's taken place in the life of this church, We have a rich history of Your goodness and Your grace and Your glory throughout the years. There's pain and there's struggle and there's toil to make that happen. But to see Your Spirit moving, growing, nurturing is wonderful to recount. But we look forward and it propels us to the future. Lord, may we continue to be a church that's rooted and and grounded in a firm foundation of Christ, Your Word, our love for one another, and our mission to present the Gospel, to love our community, and to extend what You've done in our lives to the lives of those around us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.